It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW, Sitka. Today is Monday, July 18. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this is Raven News. The filing period to run for local office opens today at 8 a.m. For the next three weeks, Sitkins can file to run for a seat on the assembly or school board. Two assembly seats are opening up this fall. Kevin Knox and Tor Christensen's three-year terms expire this year. Mayor Stephen Eisenweiss's two-year term is also up. Three seats on the Sitka School Board are up for grabs. Paul Ryu's three-year term expires this year. One two-year seat and one one-year seat will also open up after being temporarily filled earlier this summer by Tristan Gavon and Mitch Mork. Both have said they will file to run in the election this October. Candidate packets are available at the municipal clerk's office on the third floor of City Hall. The deadline to file is Friday, August 5 at 5 p.m. As food insecurity surges nationally, rural Alaskans at the intersection of food scarcity and climate change face a tough reality. In the Chignik region, low salmon returns have left the community without a vital food source. In response, one Sitka-based organization is leading an initiative to provide fish for families in need. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. As a child, George Anderson would spend his summers fishing in Chignik Lagoon, a remote Alaska native village 400 miles southwest of Anchorage. For him and the rest of the Chignik community, salmon is more than just a food source. You know, fish has been, you know, it is a part of your your life and um, your identity. Growing up, I think we really took it for granted that um, there was always, you know, some fish returning here. As salmon runs dry up across western Alaska, many in Chignik have been struggling to fill their freezers and smokehouses over the last few years. About 2018, when we did not meet our escapement goals for our early or late run, that's when uh, people really, really started getting concerned. Anderson is the president of the Chignik Intertribal Coalition, an advocacy alliance created in response to the 2018 salmon collapse. But in the last four years, the shortage of fish has persisted. In Chignik, there are two very distinct sockeye runs, an early run and a late run, and uh, neither uh, returned in 18, 19, 20, and 21. There's no telling when or even if the Chignik sockeye stock will return, but the dwindling supply comes with grave economic and cultural implications. Anderson says now is the time to act if they want to preserve their way of life. It's just really nice to be able to pass down to our kids and grandkids the way we prepare fish and uh, store it for the winter. And also to ensure future food security. There's so many different stressors on our food web. In the face of climate change, it's just very important to set up these uh, food-sharing networks. The Fish to Families initiative is a grassroots effort to aid communities facing food scarcity across Alaska. The program is becoming an integral part of a food supply network, sourcing and transporting thousands of pounds of fish to four communities in the Chignik area. But organizers have been working to raise more funding so they can serve other regions. Then we're going to be focused hopefully on some communities on the Yukon and the upper to mid section and some of the coastal regions if possible. That's Natalie Sattler, the program director with Alaska Longline Fishermen's Association, or ALFA, the organization behind Fish to Families. 
The initiative started as a fish donation program in response to pandemic-related food insecurity and a struggling seafood industry. But Sattler says two years later, the need remains. This is not just a result of the pandemic, that there are these real issues that we want to help address. Sattler says the project is looking to capitalize on the abundance of other fisheries in the state. To fund and transport the fish, Alpha has partnered with a handful of processors, fishermen, and other organizations. For every 24 bucks donated, one salmon is delivered to a family. We know that there's you know, these projected record-breaking um, salmon runs in Bristol Bay. How can we leverage that or use that abundance to feed these other areas? So kind of Alaskans feeding Alaskans. The project is currently relying on volunteers, charitable donations, and federal grants to survive. But because it's not entirely clear why Chignik's stocks have been so consistently low, the need may be ongoing. And it's not an isolated event. Sattler says they hope to expand to other communities, specifically in the Yukon-Kiskokwim region, where Chum and Chinook runs are also suffering. What we've seen recently has been just dramatically, dramatically poor. That's Katie Howard, fishery scientist with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game and lead researcher with the Salmon Ocean Ecology Program. She says declining salmon stocks could have something to do with a warming ocean. We've seen a lot of drought and really warm temperatures in the river, especially in 2019. And in the ocean, we've seen these really big marine heat waves that have spanned many consecutive years, and they've just been really large geographically and and really unlike anything that's ever been seen before. While Howard's research has focused primarily on the health of Chum and Chinook, she says more data on the Chignik sockeye's life cycle is coming in the next year. One of the things that we're hoping to get started next year is a survey in marine waters to get the same kinds of data we have for the Yukon that would also collect information on juvenile Chignik salmon and and really zero in on on what might be responsible. While the future of Western Alaska salmon runs looks pretty uncertain, organizers of Fish for Families are working to ensure that at least people in Chignik won't go without fish this summer. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. Sitka's unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in almost two decades, which sounds good but may actually indicate a scarcity of workers. Balancing that low unemployment rate is another statistic. 38% of Sitka's workforce is non-resident. These were among the numbers crunched last week at the Sitka Economic Summit. The event, held at the University of Alaska Sitka campus, was a smaller version of previous summits held routinely before the pandemic in Harrigan Centennial Hall. This year's summit was focused on workforce development. The statistical data are collected by the McKinley Research Group and paid for by the Sitka Economic Development Association. They publish the numbers in an annual report called Trends. CEDA Director Gary White discussed Sitka's employment situation with the group. In 2011, 67% of our workforce was made by people that didn't that, that, that are local residents, meaning that there's, what, 33% of our folks that work here don't live here, and those are our seasonal people. But it's gotten progressively um, lower than that. Now it's down to 38% of our workforce doesn't doesn't live here. So these are these are jobs that either folks can't afford to 
to live here on, on the wages that are being out there for the maybe some of the, the folks that are working in the fish processing plants, some of the retail folks. But it, it's a little bit concerning that we're losing local folks aren't, aren't having jobs here. Sitka Chamber of Commerce Director Rachel Roy said her organization had been working with the business community, holding roundtable discussions to better understand systemic problems in the workforce. Roy seconded the idea that there weren't enough workers to go around, and some businesses have been considering underqualified applicants. Our overall responses was really that there was a shortage of workers applying for positions where you may have had a position post and you got 10 applicants. You may have had a job open for way longer than that and just not seen applicants or not seeing qualified applicants. And so that's been an interesting thing um, where someone will come with a completely different job, career path, and looking to fill a position um, that they're just not trained for. Roy said there were also significant concerns over housing and child care for employees. Nationwide, the answer to attracting and retaining employees has been to raise pay and benefits. Holly Reeder, the manager of Sitka's Aspen Hotel, said that's the strategy that the hotel's seven properties in Alaska are trying. So it started with we raised our base rate. Um, everybody, every incoming employee at the, at the very base level is it's at 19 an hour, which really helped to kind of attract and keep people. Um, and so we have that. Um, we looked into other incentive programs. Um, we started a 401k program for all employees um, that they're eligible after working 90 days. Um, we, we worked with a company called Shoes for Crews to, to try and get good footwear for all of our employees. Again, eligible for a free pair of shoes after working 90 days. Um, trying stuff like that to, to try and, and just add benefits for our employees. Um, I have noticed um, good retention rate right now. The summit touched on many factors contributing to problems in the workforce and also explored solutions, like creating more incentives programs, creating an affordable insurance pool among Sitka businesses, and adding more certificate training programs at the university. But a simple path forward wasn't all that clear. As one audience member observed, the problem is we're living in an old-school world and you have kids making YouTube videos and making way more money than we make working at a convenience store. You can find a link to the Sitka Economic Development Association's annual trends report on our website at kcaw.org. And finally, on the community calendar for today in Sitka, Lincoln Street is closed to traffic 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. today, and water aerobics is held at 10 a.m. at Blatchley Pool. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.